Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. back on the Believe in the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Golden of JetsXFactor.com. And of course, I got former Jet running back Lamont Jordan here with me. Lamont, we got quite a day. The New York Jets took down the Green Bay Packers in Lambeau Field 27 to 10 for their third straight win. I know a lot of people would probably be betting on the Packers on that game. And if you listened to our show the week before, you would have known that this was a possible uh, possibility from the very start and that the Jets ended up doing better than we maybe even expected. So that's going to lead me right into betonline.ag is our sponsor of this show of course football is back and betonline remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season you'll find the latest odds matchups player info player news and game trends and as your continued source for all sports wagering info betonline features live betting free contests live scores and giveaways all season long Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events like MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. And of course, the NFL, if you're listening to our show, head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BLEAV to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. Lamont, we got to start with this game, I think, and I'm eager to hear where you want to talk about as well. But for me, it starts with the defense first and foremost and the really, really solid performance that they were able to put forth against this Packers offense, a good quarterback in Aaron Rodgers, who still made a handful with Rose in this game that are vintage Rodgers that makes me think that he's not completely washed and that he's still a talented player. And they did a good job of shutting that offense down, I think, at all three levels. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, This game, we've been talking about it all season long, about the defense and the job that the defense is doing, and that this defense, uh, especially the defensive line, is going to have to be the heartbeat of this team. And that's exactly what we saw um, against Green Bay. I don't think that Aaron Rodgers really ever got a chance to get settled. They hit him early. They hit him often. And we talked about it on the show, you know, the importance of third down and the importance of not turning the ball over. Um, And then also the importance of being able to generate turnovers. And so um, definitely, definitely the defense went out there and did their job, man. I mean, listen, it was in Green Bay. The Jets were not expected to win. I think that they were at a plus seven, plus seven and a half. And the way those guys went out there and performed, I mean, we're talking about third downs. How about this for the first few drives for Green Bay? Third and nine, third and 23, third and six, and they got a penalty, third and eight and a blocked field goal. Like that was the start of the game the first quarter for the Green Bay Packers. When you look, you know, when you talk about our defense, the Williams boys, I just feel like throughout the course of this season, every game, I feel like we're calling out new names, which is a sign that everybody is involved when it comes to the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, 100%, 100%. And I think, uh, quite honestly, I think there's three guys that I want to highlight personally, and there's one at each level of the defense, which I think is awesome. When you can have a star at defensive line, linebacker, and secondary, all going out and making plays in the same game, your defense is probably going to play pretty good unless everyone else is playing terrible, which they obviously didn't. For me, it starts with the Williams brothers, like you said. Quinnen had another awesome game, two sacks, blocks the field goal, like you mentioned, has another tackle for loss in the run game. 
excellent game from him. He's leading the league in sacks from uh, the interior of defensive tackles with five right now. His brother, Quincy, two weeks after being carted off the field in an air cast, comes out and leads the team in tackles with 14 <laughs> and is absolutely suplexing people from the jump. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Are, what? Like that was the quite honestly, that was the most impressive performance of the game for me. If I had to pick one player that impressed me more than anybody else, it was Quincy Williams coming back from that injury, still having the speed, still having the explosion and, and looking just like if, if not better than where he left off before. And we had already mentioned Lamont that he was having a really good season and we were really encouraged by what we were seeing hats off Quincy Williams. This was an awesome game. And last but not least sauce Gardner is for real. Sauce Gardner is a freak. I knew he was good. We talked about it. You know, what is, how is he going to handle the shorter, shiftier guys that can route him up? It hasn't mattered so far. He's been able to be fluid and agile and keep up with them. And when he's in man coverage and when he's in single coverage and it's not a zone or a pass off, he doesn't give anything up that seriously. I think he's been targeted 40 times in man coverage this season. He's got like one catch for six yards. He's leading the NFL in pass deflections with seven. He has an interception. He was an, an inches away from getting a pick six off a deflection to start the game. He is for real. And I only think he's going to continue to get better. It's a good thing. Like we said, we were, we knew he was going to be good and knew he was talented. This was the one question that he had to answer for us over six weeks. I think he's done a pretty dang good job of answering that question. Um, I'm going to be a lot harder on sauce to be honest with you. Um, I think this Green Bay game, he really benefited from Green Bay really not having good wide receivers. Um, when you look at Lazard, I don't. I think that if you take 32 teams in the NFL, you would probably have 64 wideouts that are better than him. Um, Sauce's tackling is horrible. He is not a good tackler at all. Um, I saw on one play where he got hurt, where he basically tackled the guy with his chest. Like there was no bend. There was, you know, it was aggressive. It was the most aggressive I've seen him um, tackling, but he really has to improve in his tackling. Um, I love the fact that he's getting these pass breakups. Excuse me. I love the fact that he's competing. And the good thing about sauce is he's only going to get better. But he hasn't faced that matchup yet. And for me, that matchup isn't going to come until they play the Buffalo Bills. But for the time being, him being a rookie coming from Cincinnati, which is a school that, I mean, let's be honest, they, for the most part, they really didn't play anybody um, with the exception of getting to the playoffs. Um, but Sauce is definitely out there holding his own. And I'm excited because I think that he's only going to get better, but he has to do a better job of tackling. And in this game, there were some plays that he was able to make some pass breakdowns that if Aaron Rodgers doesn't throw the ball behind the wide receiver, these are completed passes. Um, so these are all the things that, Hey, listen, the jets are four and two right now. And right now every jets fan has every reason to have hopes that this team is going to make the playoffs. And if they're going to make the playoffs and if they're going to have a chance of making a run in the playoffs, then these are the areas that sauce has to get better at. I think that he will get better. Um, but his tackling, he has to get better with his tackling. I'll agree with you there that he has not been a good tackler so far. And it's more about technique than anything else. There's the willingness is showing up. I think it was a little lackadaisical early, but like you said, the most aggressive he's been trying to get in. And I think he can fight through blocks. If it's a screenplay and someone's trying to come up short on him, I don't think there's an issue of aggressiveness there, but he definitely can improve his tackling. I am going to counter you a little bit on 
him having not faced the matchup, though, because I think he did a pretty dang good job against Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. And granted, yes, it was Skylar Thompson throwing the ball, but if they're going to dust people the way they've been wide open all year, it's not like completely shutting them down to some of their worst outputs for the, of the season and Waddle in particular, his worst output of the season. I think Waddle is he as good as the guy in Buffalo, Stephon Diggs, that you're alluding to? No, I think Stephon Diggs is one of the three best receivers in the league, and that's definitely going to be the ultimate test for him. But I don't think Tyree Kill or Jalen Waddle are no slouches either. And on top of that, I'm not the biggest Alan Lazard fan either, but I was a huge Romeo Dobbs fan coming into the draft this past year. And if you remember to our draft shows, that was a guy that I stuck out and mentioned of someone I really liked that I thought had good deep speed, good size, ran really good routes, had tough hands. And he did just as good a job on Dobbs as he did on anybody else to the point where he was really shutting down Dobbs. Who's been their leading receiver all year. If you are going to be, this is what I said on my other show on Oklahoma drill the other day. If you are going to be that fourth overall pick going against a second round pick or a or fourth round pick, he might've been, I thought he could have went higher than that, but regardless going against another rookie and you were the top dog and you don't shut him down, that's a problem. But if you do, that's what you're supposed to do. And if you go out and do it, there shouldn't be any negative taken from that. You did your job. So yeah. I agree. There's more to see from him. He absolutely can improve and he is going to continue to get better. But if we're looking at a trajectory from where we expected him and where our questions were with him in May to what he has done so far these first six weeks, outside of racking up a bunch of interceptions like Tariq Woolen in Seattle, I don't know if there's anything else we could have really asked for him so far, given the circumstances. I think he's definitely lived up to the challenge. I think he has not been, you know, the game is not too big for him. I don't think he's getting toasted and caught out of position and i don't think he's a liability i think he's a strength of the unit and that's all you can hope for yeah i agree with you i agree with you and i'm going to be hard on him because he's a first round draft pick absolutely the standards I, are higher 100 percent. yeah yeah and, and it's not just that the standard is, is is higher if i didn't think that he had the ability to do the things then i wouldn't be hard on him but i know that he has the ability and and it's just a matter of him just getting used to 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 tackling in the National Football League. Tackling in college is totally different. I'm sorry, tackling in the National Football League is totally different than tackling in the NFL. You got big backs, you have big receivers, you have linemen pulling, which speaking of linemen pulling, we're going to talk about Dwayne Brown and the job that he did offensively. Mm -hmm. um, but when it comes to sauce, I just see areas that he needs to improve on that are critical. First and foremost, he has to be more physical. Um, as far as him shutting down Dobbs, I, I, I'm really not, you know, to me, that's not a big deal. I don't even think I had Dobbs as one of my top three or four wide receivers. Um, so when it comes to soft and when it comes to the secondary, I think the one area, and if you talk to any defensive back, they'll probably tell you one of their best friends is a defensive line that can apply pressure on a quarterback that forces the quarterback to get the ball up earlier than he wants to or force the quarterback to 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 kind of pump get to his second or third read and kind of get things off target and so i think as a unit the defense as a whole when you look at the the pressure that our d line is getting on the quarterbacks when you look at those two animals those savages that we have at linebacker and mosley and williams 
And then you look at how the secondary just flies to the ball. The one thing, although I'm kind of hard on sauce, not kind of, I am going to be hard on him about his tackling. The one thing that I see from him and everybody on the defensive side of the ball is that these guys are getting to the football. Yes. It is, it is, this is this Jets team from a defensive standpoint and a special team standpoint, and we're going to get to special teams also. 100%. Um, they are doing a great, great job. And when you're talking about Zach Wilson, I think he just had his third game. Mm-hmm. Um, when you look at the young talent that we have on offense, when you look at the offensive line troubles that we have, if this Jets wants this Jets, not if, once this Jets offense starts clicking on all cylinders, this Jets team is going to be a dangerous, dangerous team. Oh, they absolutely are. Yeah, and that's that's going to be the overarching takeaway from this game for all of our listeners. Just know that we're celebrating this win three weeks in a row, four and two. That's all awesome. We love it. But there are things that need to be improved. And if they do get improved, then this team can be outright scary. I think that's going to lead us right into the offense where first and foremost, I don't think Zach Wilson was all that great. I think he threw a couple of hospital balls. They're going to do a couple of prayers later in the game, even his deep shot to Corey Davis that accounted for nearly half of his passing yardage output for the day, I thought was underthrown and inside and a great adjustment by Corey to be able to go up and get it. That said, the fact that the Jets can win a game with their quarterback really not playing all that great, not having much of a passing offense at all against a tough Packers defensive front and win the game on the ground anyway, that says something. That says that they, the offensive line, like you alluded to, with Dwayne Brown getting out in space on Braxton Berrios' reverse, and you have Brown running upfield, Uzama running upfield, and they're just looking for people to block, and they're just decleating people on the sidelines, and Berrios can walk in untouched. That's awesome. You give the ball to Brees Hall, you feed him later in the game, and he's just churning out positive yards over and over because the offensive line isn't letting anyone penetrate and they're doing a good job of winning off the snap and winning the line of scrimmage and giving Hall that extra second to pick his lane and then do what he does best. The offensive line and Brees Hall, I think won this game when it comes down to it, the defense did an excellent job and they absolutely deserve all the credit in the world. But I think that this was not such a dominant jets win without the offensive line and Brees Hall being able to put the game on their backs when the passing game wasn't there. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, Brees Hall is the truth. And he yeah, just he gets better and better every week. I mean, I'm watching him run the ball and I'm saying to myself, oh my gosh, what type of training is he doing? And and just the way he hits the hole, man, he does mm-hmm. this kind of, you know what he does a great job of? And it just came to me. He does a great job of managing his tempo. And yes. what I mean by that is when he gets the ball, he's not always full speed. He's tempo to the hole, explode through the hole, and he doesn't take a lot of false steps. That's something that as I'm yep. watching him the ball and when, I'm, and when I think about myself and I'm looking at how much faster he's able to hit the hole, he doesn't take a lot of false steps. I mean, he does a great job of making the first guy miss, does a great job of breaking tackles. His stiff arm has proven to be a weapon of his. Um, I mean, right now, Finally, yes. Yeah. I mean, right now, and you'll be able to help me with this. Uh, I mean, when it comes to possible rookie of the year, I really think that if he can continue to get better and this Jets offense is going to get better. And I think that once the passing game gets going, the run game is going to be even more dangerous. 
Um, my hat goes off to Brees Hall because offensively, he basically put this team on his shoulders. As a rookie, he put this team on his shoulders. And, and I'm going to give this win to the defense. This win was all about the defense and special teams. And I think that what Brees Hall and the offensive line were able to do was, were they supported the defense and the special teams. But this game was definitely about defense, special teams, and Brees Hall taking the offense on his shoulders. Yeah, Brees, Brees took over, and he said, "Give me the rock and feed me, and I'll and I'll lead us to the promised land, and just put it on my back." And what you were talking about, where he does his tempo, this is an old uh, running back coach saying that I'm sure you've heard a thousand times, Lamont: slow to, fast through, and that you're slow when you're getting the ball, and you aren't completely overpacing yourself, and then once you hit the hole, it's burst, go, explode. You're not trying to waste any time. That's exactly what you're saying. And he's improved so much at that from the beginning of the year to now that I think is the point to make is that I thought he was a little hesitant at the start of the year. I thought he was a little too quick to bounce things outside. I thought maybe he would, when he would try and hit the hole like full speed, he would be a little too early and he wouldn't quite get the right angle. That's gone now. He's seeing things so well. He's able to react just like he was in college where his ability to process what's happening in front of him and around him is next level. And it all goes down to his touchdown run. I don't know if you knew this, but this was that wasn't a drawn up play for Brees Hall. It was supposed to be a reverse pass from Garrett Wilson. And that Brees Hall, when he gets that, is supposed to pitch it to the back to Wilson coming around on a jet motion. And I guess he's going to throw it downfield to somebody. But Brees Hall saw that the, the defensive end was too far upfield and that if he went to pitch it, either Garrett wasn't going to have time to make the throw or it was going to be a bad play or a fumble. So he sees that and processes wide open grass in front of him and makes the craziest cut I think I've ever seen him make in college or the NFL and cuts basically 90 degrees straight up field on one mm-hmm. foot mm-hmm. And, and, and outruns the rest of the defense, throws a stiff arm in at the end to, to top it off. That is something that I didn't, that I was waiting to see more out of him in college. And the fact that he's doing that in the NFL now is, is blowing me away. And I cannot wait to see what he does next. He's when you take a running back that high in the second round in the modern NFL, you're expecting them to be one of the better, if not best backs in the league. Look, mm-hmm. if you look at the history of the backs taken at that spot, Jonathan Taylor, Dalvin Cook, uh, Cam Akers for a period of time was really good. He's just dealt with injuries. Nick Chubb is probably the best running back in the league at this point, or one of them. Kareem Hunt was a third round pick. Derrick Henry, late second round. You know, you can go on and on. You're expecting him to be one of the best players at his position. So far, it looks like Brees Hall's on that path. He is. And I think it was either last show or the show before I said that he kind of reminded me a little bit of LaDainian Thomason with regards to his ability to stretch a a would-be tackling defender and make that cut up there. That dead leg, yep. Yeah, after watching this game, and stay with me on this, Mm -hmm. if you – you know who he reminds me of? I think I know what you're going to say, and I'm not – and I thought the one cut that he had on that touchdown run made me think it, but go ahead. If you put a number 32 on him, he reminds me of Edron James. That is exactly who he runs like. If you go put on some Edron James highlights, I see a whole lot of Edron James in Brees Hall. I, I don't disagree with you. I do not disagree with you at all. I am going to be honest. That wasn't exactly where I was going. I personally uh, was thinking that it was a little bit 
and, and this is where I might be completely crazy, but just with the agility and the fluidity that I didn't realize he had to that level, that cut reminded me of like Gale Sayers. Mm. Mm. Okay. I can see, I can see the Gale Sayers. Um, with uh, Edrin, Edrin is right though. Cause it braces so much bigger than that. Yes. Yes. And, and he runs like he's bigger than that. Exactly. In the cuts. Like, I, I, I mean, I, I'm going to do this later on today. I'm going to go watch some Edron James film. Um, but he reminds me a lot of Edron James. When I watch him run, I'm a huge Edron James fan. I mean, as a player. Oh, yeah. As a player throughout the course of the game, like I had some of my favorite running back. So I was either going to be on my my John Taylor, uh, my uh, not John Taylor. Um, Fred Taylor. Fred Taylor. I was either going to be on my Fred Taylor. Monster. Monster. I was going to be on my Corey Dillon. And every now and then when I when it got to the point where I, I needed to stop overthinking, I would tap into my, my inner Edron James. And for me, Edron James is a running back. And I really noticed this when he was with the Cardinals. He does a great job when he was healthy. He does a great job of maximizing the amount of yards that he can get on the run whether it's good blocking, whether subpar blocking, whatever the situation, however the situation presents itself, he does a great job of, of maximizing his yards. And I see the same thing with Brees. I mean, there were a couple of runs where they had him tackled behind the line of scrimmage. He makes a cut, a stiff arm, and he's at least able to get the ball back to the line of yep. scrimmage or pick up a one-yard gain. Those things like that are critical. They oh, yeah. are critical. And he's doing a great job. And I think that the person that's going to benefit a whole lot from his running style is Carter. I think Carter right now is still thinking a little too much mm-hmm. instead of just hitting the hole and instead of just, just, just getting what he can get as the season continues to go on and Carter is able to get into the mix more and this Jets offensive line continues to get better. I really think that the Jets running game is going to be something that's going to carry them. Yeah, no, absolutely. I completely agree. Lakin Tomlinson has had a rebound, and we need to be honest about it. Mm-hmm. From a rough, rough start to start the year, he's gotten a lot better, and he's done a lot of help in that run game as well. Uh, Dwayne Brown has done a lot for the run game, like we mentioned. I think AVT is the team's MVP of this year in the fact that he's played four of the five offensive line positions before week five. Uh, that's mm. insanity. On top of that, I'm just... Yeah, this run game is is fantastic, and it's really only going to help the pass game later on. And I, I can't wait to see where it goes. Brees, you're 100 percent right. I, I just the patience, the ability to react, the ability to generate positive yards, even when nothing is there and when he's dead to rights. That was my question with him coming out. It's why I had Kenneth Walker ahead of him. Barely, he's been better at that in the NFL than he was in college to me, and that's a, a huge, huge sign. I'm really encouraged. Let's talk about this special teams unit before we get in preview in Denver, because they deserve as much credit in the world as well. You have a big return from Braxton Berrios. You have a blocked field goal from Quinnen Williams. You have a blocked punt from Michael Clemens that gets returned for a touchdown by Will Parks. And that play was actually drawn up in the dirt on the sideline by Brant Boyer, our special teams coordinator. After the first couple of punts by Green Bay, he noticed that there might be a gap if they could shoot Clemens in right. And he comes in unblocked and blocks it and they score. Excellent, excellent performance by the special teams. And this is what good teams do. They're able to win in all three phases. And I think there was periods of the game where the offense won, the defense won, and the special teams won. That's a team win, and that is what you want to see out of this team. 
Yes, I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. And I said it last show, and I'm going to say it this show. Man, oh man, oh man, we got a punter. And if he isn't the best punter in the National Football League, then you're going to have to give me another name. To me, this was the play of the game. Early in the game, um, we were punting from our own 15-yard line. All right. The punter was standing on a two yard line. The field position shifted 71 yards on that punt. He had an wow. air time of over 50 yards. It was a punt where he punted from his, we were on a 15 yard line. The punter was standing at the two. He, I mean, he blasted this ball. And on top of that, they got a penalty. Um, Green Bay got a penalty on that punt. That was a shift of, of 71 yards, Drew. To me, that was the play of the game. The way our special teams, and especially man, is able to shift field position. Look, when you have a defense that's playing as well as the Jets defense, you want to make a team drive the length of the field. It increases the chances that you're going to get a sack. It increases the chances that you're going to get a turnover. And it puts you in positions that, hey, if you can get them to go three and out, now you're in a position where you get the ball, you pick up one or two first downs, and now you're in field goal position. So I, I'm going to continue to talk about man as long as he continues to do the job that he's doing. To me, that was the play of the game. It shifted field position, um, it, and, and it allowed us to continue to have momentum. People have to understand, when your punter, blast a punt the way man was able to blast a punt and get a team to start off a lot further away from scoring a touchdown than they would have had he shanked it or had it just been an average punt those things are game changers as yeah. a coach as a player especially if I'm a player on this Jets team and I'm a running back and I see that punt I'm saying oh hell yeah Defense about to get a stop. Defense about to get a turnover or something. And when we get the ball, we're going to be in field goal position. So uh, my hat goes off to our punting unit. You brought up the block punt, um, the block punt for the touchdown, the block field goal. I mean, the, the, the way our special teams is playing this year is, is, is awesome. And Coach Herm used to always say it. He used to always say it. Men, we have to win two of the three battles. Offense, defense, and special teams. You win two of those three, and you win the game. Well, if you look at the Jets' wins, they have yep. consistently won games off of special teams and defense. And that's why I'm excited about the remainder of the season, because if the Jets can continue to play defense this way, continue to play special teams this way, the offense is going to get better. It's going to provide more support. And now we're possibly talking about the Jets being one of the top teams, top five teams in the AFC. If you're just going off pure record and going off division wins and where things stack up, the Jets are the third place team in the AFC right now. Nice. That who would have guessed that after six weeks? I know I wouldn't. That's that that is completely crazy to me to even think about that they're second place in the AFC East. And if the Bills would have lost to Kansas City on Sunday, they'd be in first place. Uh, that's that's insane for me to think about. And the fact that there is definitely room for improvement and things that they can get better on. They're doing a good job of winning in these areas, but there still is like we're saying with the offense, once that offense gets clicking, that's the last missing piece. Once that passing game really starts to come alive, then there's nothing that can stop this team. They're going to be firing all gas, no breaks, quite literally. 
And I think that's where we can get right into Denver looking ahead at this next game. This is going to be a game where I hope, and this is where I want to start. And I want to talk to you as a former player. I hope that this is a game that Robert Sala has bullets and board material up. The Jets are coming off a 27 to 10 victory in Lambeau. The last time the Packers had lost a game in the regular season in Lambeau was two seasons ago or 15 games. So the start of last season, the Aaron Rodgers after a loss playing another home game in Lambeau before last Sunday against the Jets was undefeated after a loss at home lost in London the week before comes back and loses to the Jets in London. The Broncos have been reeling. They're two and four. They've had multiple primetime games where they've been the laughing stock of the NFL in front of God and everybody and everybody on the betting lines as well. <laughs> Russell Wilson has been struggling still Russell Wilson. Let's not take that lightly. It's not like he's become, you know, a, a complete and total dumpster fire, but definitely not the, the $250 million man. The Broncos thought they were getting the Broncos just went out on Monday night football on a short week, went to overtime with the chargers who are devastatingly injured and their quarterback has cracked ribs, take them to overtime and lose anyway, after having a lead early in the game. Now they're going back from LA to Denver on a short week. They're at home and somehow they're favored or they are favored by a point and a half. And the, the jets are an underdog by one and a half point. When this game was first announced after Sunday, it was a three and a half point Broncos uh, favorite. The line has since shifted after Russell has had a hamstring injury uh, among the results of the Broncos game afterwards. I don't know how, a four and two team, even though it's at home, is basically a pick 'em against the reeling Denver Broncos, who just have gone two back to back primetime games, coming out and putting on stinkers. Not to mention, last time the Jets went to Denver was, I believe, week five of last season. They lost 26 to nothing. There was a lot of the players on this team that were on that team last year that probably remember that loss. And I hope Robert Sala is sitting there saying, this is your opportunity for payback. This is your opportunity for revenge. So before we get into any schematics, I wanted to hear what your opinion was as a player when you might have some extra motivation from your coach who knows the mental angles and has this team rolling and their juices flowing that we have already said thrives so well when they are the underdogs undefeated on the road this year. I think this is the perfect perfect storm for the jets to go in pissed off and angry and look to take some souls out of the Denver Broncos. You know what? I, um, I have some concerns about this game and to answer your question about just as far as coming in at, at, at starting out at a minus three to now um, I'm sorry, plus three for the jets now uh, plus one for the jets. I think if you take a deep dive, here's why I believe that the Broncos come in as a favorite. A, the Jets have to go into mile high. I really hope that they leave on Friday and get out there on Friday to allow themselves time to get used to that altitude. The Agreed. one thing that the Jets have going for them is that they are nonstop on the defensive side of the ball. Every snap, these guys are balls to the wall. They are 100% effort until that whistle blows. Well, when you get up there in that altitude, things change. And I'm speaking from experience, playing for the Raiders having to go there, and then also playing for the Broncos myself. 
when you look at this Broncos team, yes, they're struggling. They're for the way I see it. These are two teams. Both of them are struggling on the offensive side of the ball, but both of them have great defenses. The Denver Broncos total yards. They're third passing yards per game. They're fifth rushing yards per game. Uh, given up, they're 13th, the Jets are 12th, and points per game, they are fourth. That is why I believe that they come in as the favorite. You have to take into account home field advantage. Um, the altitude is definitely a home field advantage. The fact that they have a kicker that, I mean, hell, once you pass the 50-yard line, you're in his you're in his kicking range. So, yes, the Denver Broncos are struggling. But this is not a team to be taken lightly. Yes, they have Russell Wilson. They have Judy. They have Sutton. Um, they have some people on the offensive side of the ball that, that at any point they can explode. I don't know how this game is going to go, but I will go back to the last game that the Jets just played and, it bring, and, and a concern that I have that if they do not get this situated, it's going to get exploited. Whenever we play man-to-man defense, and the team that we're playing sends their guy in motion. Our cornerbacks that are in a man that are coming over with the motion, they are always out of position. They run behind the linebackers, and when they send that motion guy to the flat, he is open majority of the time. Aaron Rodgers missed that a couple of times. That is something that they have to get corrected because they are in bad positions. And against this wide receiver core, Judy, once he catches the ball, he's a guy that can catch a five-yard hitch, make you miss, and go the distance. And so I don't want us to, to overlook this Denver Broncos team because they are struggling. This is a must win for Denver. It's as simple as that. This is a must win for Denver. If Denver doesn't win this game, then they might as well go ahead and start making plans for the holidays because they will not be in the playoffs. Yeah, no, it absolutely is. And I think that the Broncos are going to be doing everything they can to be motivated, be energized and avoid that, especially being at home and having that advantage. I'm hoping the experience of going there last year has taught them if they did anything wrong, what they can learn from to do it again and maybe leave earlier and get used to the altitude. I think that's a big help. I do remember Quentin Williams had an absolutely monster game against the Broncos last year, and he's coming off another good game this year. So I'm hoping for a repeat performance there. Defensively, I agree. Their corners need to be faster at motioning with receivers if they are going to be in man coverage. And there's another thing that I'm worried about with this passing game that I actually think might make this more of a scoring game than people realize. And I'm not going to say it's going to be high scoring, but I think everyone's expecting three, three at halftime, like the Packers game was. And I think it might be a little more than that. What the one thing I've seen out of this jet secondary this year is for anyone other than sauce, they are small. LaMarcus joiners, five, nine DJ reads five, nine Michael Carter's five, 10 Jordan Whitehead is 5'11-ish, but he hasn't been targeted too many times on contested catches. But what I'm alluding to is that they struggle with big receivers and making contested catches. Alan Lazard, like you're saying, is not that great of a player, but he got a good ball on DJ Reed over the corner because he was able to box him out and outsize him, and Aaron Rodgers threw it over the shoulder and put it in the perfect spot. They had He had a touchdown where it was back shoulder on, I believe, LaMarcus Joyner who picked him up and is just able to body him out. Rodgers can throw him on to the outside and Joyner can't recover or make a play on the ball. Mm-hmm. I worry about that with Cortland Sutton. And so I know the Jets don't 
they have their standard corner alignments where DJ Reed is the right corner and Sauce is the left corner on their early downs. They've shown that they'll let Sauce travel in week one when he was covering Andrews on third and long. So I'm curious to see if this is the game where we see an adjustment of let's trust Carter and Reed on the smaller shiftier guys like Hamler and Judy. And on third and long, let's let Sauce take on Sutton to try and defend the back shoulder fade that we've struggled with, because that's been one of their major things that I think they've had problems with on defense. They haven't really been killed by screens as much. They haven't really been killed by trap runs as much. They're doing a great job defending the run overall, but I think where they have struggled, especially in the back end has been defending contested catches. So I'm curious to see if that's a wrinkle that changes. And I'm, when we talk about the jets offense, I'm going to mention this exact same topic because I think the Broncos secondary is constructed very similarly where they have a very big corner in Pat Sertain on the outside. They have a very small corner in Kwan Williams in the slot and they have Damari Mathis, who's kind of middle of the pack. And I think depending on where you can put your matchups, you can maybe do the same thing that teams have been doing to the Jets all year, which is throw it up to your big bodies on small DBs to see if you can make some good plays. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm not as concerned about the back shoulder throws and, um, you know, a few of those passes that Aaron Rodgers completed because it was Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball. That's true, but I've seen it in a lot of games where it hasn't been Aaron Rodgers. I saw it in the Browns game when it was Jacoby Brissett too. And, And I've seen it in Pittsburgh when it was Kenny Pickett in his first start and it was George Pickens on DJ Reed. So I agree Aaron Rodgers made those plays against the Jets on Sunday, but this has been a recurring issue for me that I think has been the one thing or one of the few things throughout the season that's really given them issues, especially when they get in good situations like third and longs and they waste a third and long by giving up a 19 yard completion down the sideline. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not overly concerned with that um, this week against the Broncos. I agree with you. I would put sauce on Sutton, um, but just, if you can keep Russell Wilson in the pocket, he throws a different type of uh, back shoulder throw and fade than Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers doesn't put as much height on the ball. Whereas Russell Wilson, he's got this high arcing throw that he does. And, and, and hey, if you're a wide receiver, you love Russell Wilson because he's at least going to give you a chance. Um, I'm not overly concerned with that in this game. I'm more concerned with, with the stamina of the guys going up there to, to mile high. And I'm concerned with us in man-to-man defense when we when they motion. I'm concerned with that. We have to get that fixed because if they don't get that fixed in the Denver Broncos, I think that they will be able to march the ball down the field. Now, with that said, the Denver Broncos are 22nd in yards per game. They're 21st in passing yards per game. They're 19th in rushing, and they're dead last in points scored per game. What this game comes down to is defense cannot allow Denver's offense to have a get-right game against us. We can't yeah. have it. If the Jets' defense goes out there and play the way that, they, that, that, that they've been playing all season long, um, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think this game is close. I, I, I don't either. I do not think that this game is close. When I look at, when I look at the Denver Broncos, right, and I look at their schedule, all right? And I look at their schedule. Who have they played? No one. 
absolutely nobody. The best. And they gave up 32 points to the Raiders, who have one of the worst offenses in the NFL right now. Exactly. And so when I look at the Seahawks, do they have the weapons we have? No. The Texans? No. The thing that I love about the 49ers is I love Shanahan's play calling, but they won a game 11 to 10. The Broncos lost to the Raiders, they lost to the Colts, and they lost to the Chargers. The Chargers were without Keenan Allen. Justin um, Herbert's injured. Justin Herbert is injured. I'm not taking They don't have Rashawn Slater anymore. They don't have Slater anymore. To me, Drew, this thing comes, it comes down to this. Take care of the ball offensively. Mm-hmm. Defense, do not allow Denver's all offense to have a get right game against you and i think that the jets go into mile high stadium and they could possibly walk away with an easy victory i'm right there with you and i think this is the direct transition to the offense but i want to make one more point about the defense that i think is an underrated aspect of this game that i think is an advantage for the jets they're playing the same scheme they just played last week hackett is a matt is a matt lafour disciple he was his quarterback's coach for the entire time he was in green bay they hired him specifically the Broncos hired him it's the most unworst kept secret in the NFL they hired him to lure Aaron Rodgers to be traded to Denver when they were looking for a star quarterback they couldn't get Aaron Rodgers so they got Russell Wilson instead Hackett is from everything we've seen and from everything I've seen from Denver fans on top of that this is not the most creative offense in the world this is a dumbed down version of the Matt LaFleur offense that they just played in Green Bay with a quarterback who isn't playing as well I would say maybe arguably similarly, but I think right now a lot more people would take Aaron Rodgers than Russell Wilson. It's kind of a tough debate. Either way, I think that's an advantage where the calls, some of the place um, play design, the checks, the verbiage is probably going to be very similar than it was the week before in Green Bay, and that's going to help in their communication being on point. Looking at the offense, you're 100% right. You take care of the ball. You run the ball effectively. You stay ahead of the sticks. You win time of possession. You keep the ball out of this Broncos offense hands. You tire out this Denver defense. And I think you win this game easily. And I think it starts first and foremost, nothing more important than featuring Brees Hall. He's the identity of your offense right now, and there's no reason to change it. I got to see this passing game get going. We have to And see it the- will if you can open up play action with getting Brees going early. I think you come out throwing the ball. I really think that you have to attack this Broncos secondary. And the what Zach is able to do, with every week that goes by, I just feel like he gets healthier and healthier and he gets more confident. This is the first quarterback that this Broncos team will face that is a dual threat quarterback. No other quarterback that they face is a threat to run the ball. I think that that, Uh, And this is why I'm saying come out passing the ball because Zach Wilson, and I'm not sure how much man-to-man defense the Denver Broncos play, but Zach Wilson, by allowing him to drop back or put him in shotgun, taking some shots down the field to soften up the defense, I think that's what's going to open up things for the run game. We still have to remember, yes, while we did see some flashes in this last game from our offensive line, we're still dealing with an offensive line that's 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 still trying to find this identity, that's still trying to just, we're still trying to get it together. I think you come out, you take some shots, you use your speed, you soften the defense up. And by doing that, I think that that's going to open up the run game. I don't see the Denver Broncos allowing us to come out and establish our run game. I, I just don't. 
I, I just don't see it. Well, if that's how the game dictates and you come out on the first drive and you're planning to, to run the ball down their throats and they're putting eight in the box, then adjust. And I think that goes with any football game that if your script isn't what you're expecting and what you're hoping to do doesn't seem like it's going to work, trying to bang your head against a wall isn't the best thing to do. And it's always best to zig instead of zag and find a different way to go about things. So if the Broncos are daring the Jets to throw, then yeah, let's back them off 100%. I just, and that might be what happens because I think the strength of this defense is their secondary. When you're mm-hmm. looking at it as a whole, I think the weakness of this defense is their linebacking unit. And so I think if you can get play action going, we've seen the Jets do really well with play action over the middle of this year, especially to their tight ends. And it's usually by having a lot of action up front, getting some good plays in the run game going, getting those linebackers to creep up, and then just throwing the little, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The glance route right over the middle and hitting the tight end and letting them run. I think you can get some good plays going with that. And once you get both of those elements working together, then the defense doesn't know what to do. And I think if, if you're trying to stop a good defense, it's a very talented defense. You have to get them thinking and you have to get them slowing down and questioning what's happening in front of them. Luckily, I think Michael Ford is a really good job of that overall, especially like we've seen with the reverses that they feature to Barrios. Once they get things going uh, one way, I'd like to see more Carter and Hall on the field at the same time. But if it's going to be a game where the Broncos are saying air it out, then it's time for our skill positions to have a better game than they did last week getting open. And it's time for Zach Wilson to have a better game than he did last week, seeing the field and making passes down the field. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, I, I think that this is a game that we could possibly see both Brees and Carter line up in the backfield at the same time. I hope so. And I say that, and you know, you made the point that the weakness of this Broncos defense is their linebacker core. We know that Brees and Carter are very dangerous out of the backfield passing the ball. And if your weakness is your linebacker core and, and you're playing against a team that has running backs out the backfield that are a threat, it could be a situation where we see a lot of nickel from, from the Denver Broncos. Um, I think that for the Denver Broncos, um, I think for the Denver Broncos, the, the chance that they have of winning this game is their defensive line has to be dominant. That, that that's what it comes down to. Yeah. I don't think that the Denver, I don't think that the Broncos secondary can hold up against our passing game if our passing game is going. Um between and we we know the weapons that we have. So I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I this game can go either way. You know, I already gave you the stats about where Denver's defense is. And if we really think about this thing, for probably for the last six or seven years, Denver's defense has been top. Like Denver's defense yeah. has been solid. They just didn't have an offense that can that can support their defense. Um, with that said, I really think that this game comes down to Jets defense and special teams continue to do what you're doing. Offensively, we have to have a breakout game. I think that's exactly how it goes. I think if the offense breaks out and the defense keeps the course, then this is a a easy Jets win and the Jets are five and two and the whole NFL is going to be shocked. Uh, And if the defense struggles and the offense can't seem to get anything going through the air and the Broncos can load the box all day and not have to have those linebackers in coverage, then it's going to be hard and you're going to get tired real quick in that mile high air. So you're right. I think that's hundred percent where it comes down to. I'm ready to get to picks. You good? Yes. Yes. I'm ready to go. All right. Uh, I'll start things off. Um, betonline.ag, of course, with our odds, as always. 
And I'm going to be honest, Lamont, what I wanted to pick this week, I couldn't find odds for, and I'm kind of upset. So I'm going to start with, if anyone can find this, then this is going to be my bet of the week, and I'll have a second one in place that kind of goes off of it. I wanted an alternate spread on the Jets. Knowing that the Jets were underdogs by a point and a half, the last time I felt this confident that I think the Jets could win a game was the Cincinnati game, and I was way off about that one. But I think the Bengals are a heck of a lot more talented and a heck of a lot more in sync right now than the Broncos are. And I think the Jets are playing a lot better right now than they were a few weeks ago. I'm not going to go that crazy. But if I tried to find Jets minus four, Mm. thinking that they will win by more than a field goal and find a spread for that, thinking it would probably be plus 350 to plus 400 maybe, And that was going to be my bet of the week. I couldn't find any official odds anywhere. So if anyone else does more power to them, I think that's the pick that said, since I did have such uh, a bad time last time, I felt this confident. I'm going to take a step back and I'm not going to go out that far on the limb. And I'm going to take the jets on the money line for plus a hundred. I think the jets win this game point blank period. However many points it is, whether it's field goal, more than a touchdown, 10 points, whatever. I think the Jets are going to win this game. I think they're more in sync. I think I knowing Salah and knowing how this team plays as an underdog and on the road this year, yes, mile high is tough, absolutely. But the fact that they went there last year and gives me some hope. A lot of the same players are on this team again. I'm confident the Jets are going to win this game. If I could find official odds for Jets minus four, I would take it in a heartbeat, but I'm just going to stick with Jets plus 100 on the money line for now. I... I... Going back and forth on this. I agree with you. I think the Jets win. I think the Jets win. And my bet is on the bet the bet online. I'm taking the New York Jets by 7 to 12 points at a plus 550. I, yes. think, the, I think the Denver's defense is stout enough that that this, you know, I'm going to respect Denver's defense and I'm also going to be real about where we are from an offensive standpoint. But I feel like that we're at this point in the season where this is where the offense has to get going. You're playing against a top defense in the National Football League. Your defense is balling. Your special teams is balling. I think that we're going to have some great matchups. And if we can just keep Zach standing, if the Broncos aren't able to get pressure on Zach, I think that he's going to be able to shred this Denver Broncos defense. And listen, this is a game where if the Jets get the lead, I don't think that Denver has enough offensively that they'll be able to come back. And so between our defense, between our special teams, the fact we have a punter that does a great job of shifting field position and they're going up the mile higher, which means he's going to get Uh a lot time on his punts which means he's going to be able to shift field position like he's done all season long and forcing a struggling offense to have to travel the distance of the field to score points I just think that that it's going to be an uphill battle for the Denver Broncos so again I'm taking the Jets to win between seven and 12 points at a plus 550. I love it I love it I, I wasn't that bold because I'm too scarred from Cincinnati but man I wanted to do it and I love that you did because I'm I'm right there with you. I think there's one way the Broncos win this game, and it's they come out and absolutely dominate from the beginning of the game in the first quarter and get out to a lead and make the Jets one-dimensional and take Brees Hall's running out of it 
and are able to, they can stay consistent on offense and tire out the defense in that mile high air, then I think that's how they win. I think if this is a close game throughout most of the game, the Jets are going to win because they've been the best team in the league in the fourth quarter this year. They yes. are they are dominating people in the fourth quarter. They are outscoring teams by 40 points in the fourth quarter this year combined. They have the best mm-hmm. point differential in the league in the fourth quarter. That's insane. And I think that is a trend that is going to keep continuing when you have all this youth and this speed and, and talent that once the end of the game clicks, like Robert Sala says, they get used to what's going on. They explode and they're not tired yet. I think that's going to keep continue. And I think if the Jets get out to a lead early, it's going to be a blowout. I don't think there's anything the Broncos will be able to do. When you have to play into the strength of our defensive line, play into the strength of our coverage, make Russell Wilson beat me. I'm worried that if I'm as crazy as as it is to say, I'd much rather have Russell Wilson try to beat me down multiple scores than have the game the other way and have Zach Wilson have to climb back against the Broncos pass rush that can pin their rears back. I, I agree I, with you still on that. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think the Jets are going to win this one. I think they're going to be five and two. I think we're going to be talking about the first game with the Patriots as a deciding game for potentially wild card futures in the AFC East. Oh yeah, I agree with you. For me, I think there's one way that we lose this game and we lose this game if we don't take care of the ball. Turnovers, hundred percent. Yeah, if we if we if, if if you look at the end of the score, if you look at the box score, um, and you look on the team stats, and you see that the Jets didn't turn the ball over, that's just I, I don't need to. I'm going to, of course, I'm going to watch the game, but looking at this game, if you're a person who's not going to watch the game, maybe you're out doing something else. When you go online and you look up the stats, I just want you to go look at one stat. Go look at turnovers. The team that wins the turnover battle this week is going to be the team that wins. Two struggling offenses, two dominant top defenses, um, two special teams that do a great job of supporting their teams. It's going to come down to which team uh, is able to hold on to the ball. And I think that that's the only way that the Broncos win this game is if they if if the Jets turn the ball over. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I went conservative. We flipped roles this week. You went on the limb and I and I stayed pat. Plus 100 on the money line, Jets win outright. You want to go to Crazy Town with Lamont and take plus 550, Jets between 7 and 12. I think there's a pretty good shot that happens too. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in and listening. As always, thank you to betonline.ag for sponsoring. I cannot wait to review this game. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I am so glad that the Jets are riding high right now, and we did not have to go through multiple, multiple years of this podcast waiting for the Jets to be good. It is a dang good feeling being able to talk about some good football. I can't wait to keep going. Lamont, anything else from you before we get out of here? Um, no, I'm good to go. Y'all can catch me at, at Coach Jordan 34 on Twitter. I'm Lamont Jordan underscore 34 on Instagram. And one last thing with the bet. I mean, hey, if you're feeling froggy and you want to leap, do a same game parlay. Take the Jets on the money line and take them at a minus. Uh, oh, I like that. I like that. That's going to be, you got one from me, one from Lamont, and then that one with the, the parlays, the official sponsored from both of us. Thank you again, everyone. You can find me at Andrew Golden underscore 17 and make sure you're following the show at B-L-E-A-B underscore in underscore Jets. We will be back next week to review what we assume is going to be a pretty solid Jets win. Sit at five and uh, five and two, looking ahead to week seven with uh, week eight with the New England Patriots. Can't wait to get there. Thank you, everybody, again for listening, and we'll be back soon. Bye-bye. Peace.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.